Welcome to the inaugural Believe in Navy Football podcast. I'm your host, Bill Wagner, longtime sports writer with the Capital Gazette newspapers out of Annapolis. Uh, I've covered Navy football since 2001 and still doing so. Uh, out there almost every day for practice. Don't miss any games. So I hope to bring some good insight. And I've got two former Navy football players who are going to bring a lot more valuable insight than I can provide, uh, analysis and uh, interesting uh, takes. We have with us Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds, two of the greatest Navy players in the triple option history, uh, current era of triple option football. Um, guys, let's start off by talking about last season. Uh, obviously, three and seven, not what anyone expected. But in hindsight, Coach Niamatololo says it really was to be expected considering Navy did not have spring practice and that he made the decision during preseason camp in August not to have any contact. And Navy did not look prepared in that season opener against BYU, and it took almost the entire season for things to get turned around. The defense came on strong at the end of the season and played well over the last three games, but the offense just never got it going. So Coach Niamatololo wants to dismiss last season, basically say it's an aberration, uh, Eric and then Keenan, tell us your thoughts. Do you is there some things that need to be learned? I mean, is why didn't the Navy offense ever get it in gear last year? Yeah, the uh, the uh, offense is it's as Keenan knows, it's, it's triple options, hard to get running uh, in a smoothly manner uh, in a quick time frame, especially without contact as well. Um, that's why you know in the NFL and in college and there's OTAs, there's mini camps, and there's everything to get your body ready and body hard, you know, to start the season with the season not having that contact, not having the, you know, the, the beating in the body, especially in the offense, having that groove, it, it's, it's tough. So, you know, coach Neiman, you know, they, they made a decision and that's the decision that, um, you know, him and the organization made. And it was, um, you know, it, it, it showed the three and seven season, but hopefully this year, you know, with all the practices, training camp, everything in swing that, you know, uh, Marshall's going to, you know, have a good win this, this next week. Keenan, I mean, Navy used four different quarterbacks last year and not one of them, really got the job done. So uh, I'm guessing you're thinking quarterback play is going to be critical this year? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think quarterback play was probably a larger factor than people give it credit for. Um, last season, I think the, all the talk has kind of been about, you know, preseason camp and not hitting, not tackling. Um, and I think that they're obviously you want to, you want your, you want to be physical up front, especially running a triple option and playing a team like BYU, they were pretty big up front and not having that, that physicality um, certainly hurt us. But I think ultimately um, if you just take the BYU game and kind of put it in its own category if you, and look at the rest of the season, I'm, I'm going to point toward inconsistent QB play. And it's not like a direct criticism on like one particular player or anything like that. I just think that's, that's just the truth if you look at the tape. And uh, I think based on what I've been hearing and what I've, and what I've seen with my, or I wouldn't say seen, but what I've been told with my behind the scenes data, <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a good turnaround this year. Um, but it starts there. I mean, and, and Eric tell you like the quarterback and the fullback and triple option. Those, you got to have them two guys going. You got to have those two guys. And the, and the center is crucial too, though. Yeah. Get that center, get, get that center moving, gives us space, both sides actually get the mesh, see what's happening, give you time. And then you, move the ball to the A back or you know, wherever you deem appropriate, it, it's a huge, huge, 
you know, timing thing. It takes a long time, especially with new quarterbacks all the time. I agree with that, Ken. That's tough. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's kind of a chain reaction. If, if you can't get movement up front, especially in, in the middle, um, then you can't give you can't establish the fullback dive. And if you can't establish fullback dive, that really kind of takes the entire threat of a quote triple option out of the the uh, the play. So you know, a lot of teams when they're when they're playing navy, the game plan is stop the dive. If we stop the dive, then we make them they got to run double option. They can only do you know speed options, zone options, and things of that nature, and it makes it a little bit easier to defend. But when you got to defend all three dimensions and the play action pass. Um, that's what makes Navy so dangerous. And I think that's what we were kind of missing last year is that full element of uh, like we can attack you in, on all on all fronts. Um, but I think that that's going to change big time this year. Well, in 2019, when Malcolm Perry was the quarterback, all those elements you spoke of were hitting on all cylinders. Uh, they had a great interior line led by center Fort Higgins, who was just a workhorse and you know a guy played a mile. I mean, he was a, a energizer's uh, Jizer Bunny with his, you know, effort level. And then David Forney and Billy Honaker were the guards, and they were just blowing wide open holes that fullback Jamal Carruthers was breaking the trap option for huge gains, and Malcolm was running wild. And last year, obviously, we didn't have that. Pierce Banbury started 10 games at center, but he was a, a young pup at the time. He had not played much. I think he's going to be much improved up at center this year. And they're very, very – the high on this offensive line and said it pretty much came together in the spring and the same five starters have maintained their, their uh, positions. And coach Ashley Ingram, the running game coordinator said not one offensive lineman was a disappointment during August camp. Now, one thing coach Niamh mentioned, I could have sworn he said that Navy has had something like 700 scrimmage opportunities since the spring. That's how many times they kind of went good on good. And during the spring, they let the quarterbacks go live. They were getting hit. They were getting smacked. They wanted them to see the defense at full speed. And uh, Coach Niamat has talked a lot about Coach Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, has throws a whole lot, a lot of looks, a lot of formations, blitzes from every angle. Uh, how important were those spring and August sessions where these quarterbacks are seeing things at full speed? Yeah, you know, I think – being, the thing about the spring that's important is you're not prepping for a game. So that allows you to really kind of take things back to the fundamentals and really get deep in the details of, especially the quarterback position. Let's get back to our footwork. Is our footwork right? Are we gaining ground? You know, are we, is our mesh good? Let's work on the mesh. Let's break the mesh down step by step. Those are things that you don't really have time to do when you're prepping for a game on Saturday. And so without a spring, you know, talking about 2020, no spring practice, and then you dive right into fall camp. The, 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 the thing with fall camp is let's get ready for the season. It's not let's work like the fundamentals, like we're going to hit them, but it's not, a, it's not a huge emphasis. We're trying to get ready to play. So having that spring session, being able to really dive in on the details, I think was great. And I think the reason that they decided to let the quarterbacks be live this year is because they had to find somebody that was going to, you know, grab that job i think there was a little bit of it was a little bit of a juggle last season and so you you put them out there you throw them in the fire you make them you make them live let's see how tough you are let's see if you can handle the pressure the different looks um i think that's all good and i think we're going to see on saturday the 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 kind of fruits of that labor eric they uh lost their star fullback jamal carruthers a disappointing situation he was dismissed from the naval academy 
uh, following his junior year. He's transferred to Western Kentucky. They're breaking in two new guys who last year, neither of the top two fullbacks even carried the ball. But that's because Jamal Carruthers and Nelson Smith were getting all the carries at fullbacks. They didn't. Uh, they had a package for James Harris the second where he blocked only. Um, Isaac Ruas and James Harris the second are the fullbacks. Uh, I think Coach has kind of described Ruas, who is the starter, as being like Vince Murray. I don't know if you guys remember Vince Murray. But uh, yep. just kind of talk about, you know, you mentioned the fullback. I mean, we're going to need production out of Ruas and James Harris the second and whoever else might get in at fullback. Because it you can't be the quarterback all by himself, and we need to get the slot backs involved too. And like you said, establishing the dive opens up everything. No, absolutely. The, the years that you know, Kyle Ackle, Adam Ballard, myself, uh, Alex Teach, um, Swain. Those those are all guys that you know could break it and also could run over people with ease. You know that that's what helped out all the quarterbacks at the time is. You know, we're taking the hit, taking the hit, taking the hit, and then finally Keenan or whoever just, you know, has a side, has a space, makes a play, and then, you know, it's touchdown with ease. Last year I saw none of that. So hopefully these two guys can, you know, step up to the plate and, you know, bring that factor into, you know, what eight football is, is that triple option. So let's talk about the schedule. And Coach Niamatololo is saying it is the toughest schedule without question of the entire time he's been at the Naval Academy, which I think is going on. 25 total seasons um usually navy opens with holy cross or some other patriot league type school kind of a, a team that you know allows you kind of ease into the season and that's not going to happen this year marshall's coming to town marshall is a perennially strong program uh they're picked to win their side of the conference usa they're you know coming off of a successful winning season with a bowl berth I mean, what do you think about having Marshall right out of the gate? And then I would also ask you, and we'll touch upon this a little more in next week's pod, but Air Force second week of the season, how strange is that? That's usually something that comes up in October. I mean, what that's got to be crazy to have to be dealing with Air Force, you know, second week of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I have a little bit of a – an unusual take maybe on the schedule thing. Um, I think opening up with a team like Marshall in the long run is going to end up being very beneficial. And there's two reasons why I think that. One, as we've touched on, full offseason, full spring. So I have no doubt in my mind that when the mids show up on Saturday, they're going to be ready to play. So that's the first thing. They're going to be ready to play. Physically, they're going to be ready to play. And then secondly, getting a win against a team like Marshall with Air Force rolling in. You know Air Force is going to be a tough game. You know it's going to be ups and downs. If you beat a team like Marshall, inevitably in that game, there's going to be ups and downs. So you can, you've can you proven to yourselves as a team that you have the capability to fight through a tough opponent and adverse situations. You know, you play a, you play a, a, a cupcake squad, you blow them out 63 to seven, you think you're the best team in the world. And then you get against Air Force and it's a completely different ball game. You can't move the ball like you like you were last week. You can't, you're having trouble stopping the option. You know, like these things can happen in the Air Force game. So my take's a little different than maybe the average fan. I think it's great. I think it's gonna, and, and, and the fact that Air Force is second means that if we get out of Marshall with a dub and healthy, I think we're gonna, I think Air Force is gonna be surprised the team they come to Annapolis and meet. 
That's what I love about Keenan Reynolds, the consummate winner. He says, when you beat Marshall. It wasn't if you beat Marshall. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on this thing, Eric? It is a tough schedule. I'm, I, I'm oh, I, I think we've worked with this third hardest raid schedule in the whole nation. We, we, I, we, I think our, so. conference, our conference, it's, it's, so when I played, you know, we started off with Towson. And, you know, like you said, the cupcake schools, the schedule that I played – Yes, we played, you know, Wake Forest number 16, you know, Notre Dame as usual. But the teams that they're playing now in the conference, Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, those are great schools. You know, they're, they're, like they, they bring the athletes, they recruit, they get all the players in. Yep. With us, you know, yeah, change your mindset and think, you know, we're playing these top schools anyways. Why not Marshall? You know, I'd if I was playing – and you want to play the next level? You want to play the NFL? Play Marshall. You don't want to play Towson. What's that tape you say? You beat you know you beat an okay team. You know, be the best player and, and be what you can. So that's what I always want to do. You know, you got to think small. You got to think large, not big. <laughs> think large, not small. So uh, the battle for quarterbacks between Ty Lavatai and Xavier Arline—they're both sophomores. Um, Xavier got some game experience last year. Keenan, I'll ask you to kind of analyze what you saw. Small sample size out of Xavier Arline. Coach Neamot likes to kind of compare him to Malcolm, but I think that's not – I'll reserve judgment because I haven't seen but I don't know that Xavier has quite the wiggle, and I know he doesn't have the speed of Malcolm Perry. But similar style, slasher-type runner. Uh, Lavatai, uh, they're using Will Worth as a description, a big kind of guy, almost like a you know between-the-tackles type of fullback runner. Um, and, but Lavatai can throw the ball. He's got a nice touch. Uh, they're saying Xavier's much improved. Last year, Xavier was no threat to throw whatsoever. Um, but they're saying he has improved to the point that he is a legitimate throwing threat. He has to, he will keep defenses honest. But real quickly, we haven't seen Lavatai, so we can't even analyze him. What did you see out of our line toward the end, especially the Army-Navy game? Well, you know, anytime you first start, or one of one of your first few starts is the Army game on the road at that, not even a neutral site. You're in Mitchie Stadium. Um, I don't know. I I I, I just I think you kind of have to be a little more uh, level headed with the with the the, the takes and the judgment. Um, you got a true freshman, very small, like you said, sample size. I think you know. He's a, I think he's a great athlete. I mean, he was a, a top lax player from my understanding. And that is a, a sport that requires a, a good amount of agility and vision in order to be successful. So I think that those skills have can translate. I think the question that he's going to have to answer as he rolls into this next year is, can you be a threat in the play-action pass game? Because if we don't have that play-action pass element, it, it makes it really hard to keep defenses honest because now they can just cheat the play based on what they think is going to happen. But the play action game that we've run for years and years has always been about keeping defenses honest, catching DBs, falling asleep with their eyes in the backfield and scoring 70 yard touchdowns off of it. So ultimately for us to get back to where we were, uh, you know, when Malcolm was a senior, we're going to have to be able to run our offense. Not really. And this is just me speaking. I think we're going to have to, we can have the gun stuff. We can have the read option, but we're going to have to be able to get under center and run our base stuff and run it well. So the question is going to be, Xavier, can you do that? If you can do that, 
maybe you go with the guy that has the experience. If that's not a strength or if they feel like he's not doing it to our standards, maybe you take a flyer on a new guy with no experience. A little bit bigger, can maybe maybe he runs the, the inside options a little bit better. Maybe he throws the ball better in play action pass. You know, I think you kind of have to that's that's how I'm looking at it if I'm a coach watching film. Well, I haven't well, been out of practice. It's the you know the play action pass. It's also you know it's bringing the safeties out of the box, especially for fullback. If I'm running you know if I'm running you know a triple dive, and you're looking at your linebackers and your safeties. They're down in the box. I used to play Rutgers back in the day, and you can't do anything. You you can't do anything as a quarterback. So I completely agree with you. So uh, we should talk a little bit about the defense because I think that's going to be a strength of the team. A lot of returning talent. Uh, last year, due to COVID and injuries and whatnot, uh, they had to go pretty deep on the bench. To you know, they had multiple starters at multiple positions over the course of the season, just out of necessity. But the good news is that means there's a ton of people back with experience. I think it's something like seven starters, and when you look at the depth chart, there's like 16 guys that saw serious playing time last year. You guys, as offensive guys, know how to analyze defenses. What do you like about what this new defensive coordinator, Brian Newberry, does? I mean, and they brought him in here to try to bring in a different type of defense, a disruptive defense, and he's done that. Um, Coach Neomot likes to call him the mad scientist because he's always doing all sorts of crazy stuff, fronts and blitzes from every angle. Uh, as Coach Newberry told me last week, we can bring a blitz from any position on the field. What do you guys like about what this defense has shown you in the first two seasons that Coach Newberry has been the coordinator? Um, well, so first of all, I love the move. Uh, I think that's something that Navy football had been missing uh, was that that surprise and that movement element. Um, we, you kind of knew where we were going to be. We lined up, we played. But it's a completely different game. Completely different game. I mean, teams are spreading you out. They're running all kinds of exotic concepts. And if you just sit there and let them do their stuff, they're going to pick you apart. They're going to have way. They're going to find where your weakness is, and they're going to attack it. And we all know that every team that we play against is bigger, faster, stronger. You know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So I think having this element in the defense definitely allows for us to level the playing field. We confuse quarterbacks, confuse blockers, confuse. You no, know, people get confused on their assignments. They make mistakes. You make mistakes. That's how they get six, and as I understand it, the get six is is undefeated when they when they do that. So I think it's great. I personally wish that he was there when we were there. Uh, that would have been a fun time to to practice against and also watch, you know, while while they were on the field. Absolutely, He's, uh, he he brings in a different mindset. You know, the old Navy mindset was you know bend don't break, and with him changing schemes and everything else, it makes the offense think. You know, is when you know when I was with the Patriots, and you see the way that you know Tom Brady moves moves the people around just by seeing the defense and the shifts and everything else. You can, if you're like you're right, Ken, if you have a smart mindset as an offensive coordinator or defense coordinator, you could pick apart teams with ease, especially beginning of the season. You have one week to prep. So with us, you know, Marshall, the whole off season. But when teams play us, especially as a you know triple option, it's hard for that defense to feel what it actually is to get a cup by cup by somebody our movement, our speed, everything that moves with that flow. So I'm happy to have uh, you know, the, the new defensive coordinator out there. And, and another thing, Wags, I'll say is, you know, I know I don't want to jump too far ahead of a schedule, but just thinking about, you know, who's coming to town next weekend. Um, 
you can't sit back and let Air Force get a read on what you're doing. Um, and 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 Eric, like he said, I mean, for us, if we know what you're doing on defense, we know where your your stunts are coming from. We know where your what your guys are doing. We are going to pick you apart. We're going to draw. I, I can't tell you how many times we sat on the sideline and put plays in that we never practiced that end up being touchdowns, just because coaches knew exactly what the defense was doing and exactly how to attack it. And yeah. so that's just that's the, that's the game that we're in now. And I think that this new element is fun. The guys are excited. You can tell they're jumping around. You know what I'm saying? That's great. I think that's great. It's good for recruiting. It's good for morale. All that. I mean, I love it. It's good for everybody. I remember like, the first game, first game of the season versus Taos, and I had like 14 yards because all the defense did was take the fullback, take the fullback, take the fullback. Sean White had like 285 yards, six touchdowns. All we do is just give it to Sean. Like, I, I, I got Henry playing like, guys, out on the ball. He has the ball. He's six touchdowns. What are you doing? Get after him. He's like number one in the nation for rushing. I'm like, I have like 14 yards. I'm like, this is great. This is great. Hey, uh, so we are going to have an alumni spotlight each week in each episode. We're going to talk about a former Navy football player. Where are they now? Maybe reminisce on their career a little bit. But for this week, since we are doing a lot of preview information, we're just going to quickly summarize that three former Navy football players had NFL opportunities this uh, preseason. Uh, we all know the story about Cameron Kinley, uh, you know, having to fight to try to get an opportunity to go to training camp with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers after signing as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Cam uh, didn't uh, make it. He got released uh, less than 24 hours after the exhibition opener for Tampa Bay. Um, Malcolm Perry was in his second season with Miami Dolphins after being drafted in the seventh round, uh, 2020 NFL draft. And uh, Malcolm did not make the Dolphins roster, which is a bit of a surprise to me because I thought they were very high on them but then when I did a deeper dive, I saw the amount of talent Miami has accumulated at the wide receiver position. They signed Will Fuller from uh, Notre Dame over there. And, you know, they just they were a little loaded. It was going to be hard for Malcolm to make the roster at receiver. And Miami had planned to put him on a practice squad, but they couldn't get him through waivers because old Bill Belichick, who loves Navy football players, snatched him up, claimed him off of waivers. So Malcolm will get another opportunity. In fact, I talked briefly to Malcolm on the phone today. And uh, he's like, Bill, I got to run. I'm, I got to get to the airport. <laughs> he wanted to hustle his butt up to New England, get started. Um, and then, alas, uh, we should also mention Joe Cardona, uh, incredible long snapper, is uh, entering like his seventh season as the starting long snapper for the Patriots. But the third guy, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of people, Sean Williams, great safety defensive captain for Navy football. He got a look by the Patriots. Bill, Bill Belichick gave him – a, a tryout. He thought he performed pretty well, but it, the Patriots did not sign him. I talked to Sean Williams today and he's going to come on our pod. Maybe next week could be our first alumni spotlight. And we'll talk a little bit about him, but man, two and a half years out of the Academy. And he said, he's been working out, staying in shape, going to his trainers. And he was able to go and form at a pretty high level, which was kind of cool to me. So I, I bring all this up because, uh, this whole topic about, you know, service academy athletes to the NFL. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth. There's never the same policy. However, there is a policy. The Department of Defense has a policy that allows service academy athletes to pursue professional opportunities. And this year, 
the Secretary of the Air Force and the Secretary of the Army had no problem approving the request of their graduates to pursue the NFL. And, and so John Radigan, the linebacker for Army, and a couple offensive linemen, uh, Parker Ferguson was one of them from Air Force, they got NFL opportunities. Uh, now, for some reason, a acting Secretary of Navy, not even a permanent Secretary of the Navy, an acting Secretary of the Navy decided at his level that this wasn't going to fly, and he denied the request of Cameron Kinley and a baseball pitcher named Charlie Conley to pursue pro opportunities. Now, Cameron and his agent, who, by the way, is Ryan Williams Jenkins, former Navy slotback, uh, they did a good job of kind of waging a media campaign, and ultimately they, uh, they, they were able to appeal and got this re reversed, and that's why Cameron ended up in training camp with the Bucks. But you two both – had a little bit different stories. Keenan played right away after graduation. You had to fight a little bit. You got recalled back to the Navy a few times, Eric. But yeah. you, I have to believe that both of you feel that it's time to put in place a policy and stick with it. Thoughts? Uh, how much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a little different. So, uh, yeah, I, I that's the thing is, like, I agree about is – you know, we go to the Naval Academy, you know, not to play in the NFL, to, you know, serve our nation. That's what we signed up for. You know, there's no – I – with high school, I was a good player in high school. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll go play college football. I never thought I was going to play the NFL for five years. Never. Went there to play football and, you know, do my thing. But it's the it's the policy that's there for the DOD, but how come different branches can change different things? It doesn't make sense to me. It should be all the same. And it's it's everything, right? So it's like, you know, we are good at football. We're good at basketball. We're good at sports. There's other people that are really smart that get opportunities to go to Oxford or Cambridge or different things. Or if you want to be an Olympian, if you want to do a rowing, there's all these different programs out there, not just because physical, but mental, everything else. You know, the, the, the academy teaches you to be met, mentally, physically, morally, you know, one of the best of all. We're good physically. So, like us, make a policy for everybody, not just athletes, but people in all. If they have an ability that's top of the world, top 0.02% of the world that can do that, Utilize that. You know, I served. I lost two and a half years to go play football. Then I you know, played five years. Then also after I got done playing, I went back and I recruited some officers in Ohio. Like, I enjoy the military. It's not like we go there to get out of this opportunity. You know, I served as a whole 10 years of service. So I that's what I, I, I want to do that stuff. It's not like we're trying to get out of our service. So I think it just be, like I said earlier, a policy in place that everybody has. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Eric. I think uh, to your point about uh, I didn't go to the academy like, yeah, I'm going to do the best I can to get them to bend the rules or change the rules and let me go play professionally. I went because I thought nobody is a 5'10 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I didn't really have many other opportunities. And Navy was like, you can come here. You can play big time ball. You can play quarterback. You can be yourself. And, oh, by the way, you get a world-class education and guaranteed job serving your country when you graduate. Now, I was a freshman in high school in 08. I saw what happened with the financial crisis. I, I understood, you know, the realities of the job market if you didn't pick the right, the right uh, career. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do because I ain't trying to graduate and then be worried about what's going to happen. And then the NFL just kind of – it just happened. Like, I don't – yeah, well, you, you don't ask for that. You, you, your junior comes, you're like, wow, I did really well. 
you know, you did a lot better than I did, of course. You know, I think you had like 85,000 more yards than me rushing, but it's okay. No one's counting. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I was six foot court or six foot fullback. Like, fullbacks in the NFL are what 16 teams maybe carry a fullback. Like, yeah. I should have played when Mike Alsop played. It would have been yeah. great. I went to West Virginia, would have wore a neck brace, three cowboy collars. It would have been <laughs> awesome. But the times have times changed, man. So I, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think having the, the consistent policy is the key. And, and Eric, you made a great point about, you know, some of the road scholars. And I mean, there's some interesting things that really, really smart people get to do that it just doesn't attract the same media attention. So people don't really even know about it, but I mean, it's, no, a road they, deal, they go to Oxford, they go to Cambridge, they, they're gone for two years. The, the, the DOD is paying for that two years. That's hundred plus thousand dollars each education. Mm-hmm. Us, we're, we're, actually working for them we're doing i for me i enjoy doing media talking about my experiences one in the nail academy you know what it did for me as a young adult making that decision 18 years old and two as you know serving overseas and, and seeing different things like i enjoy talking about that stuff and helping out the navy is you know part of your kind of you know they don't tell you to do it but you know, they ask you to do it you know so all right guys well this has been a great opening pod this is exactly what i envisioned uh, their analysis is so good. I mean, again, only the kind of insight we can get from former Navy football players. So next week, we'll be talking about the Marshall game. We'll look ahead to the Air Force game. Uh, we hope everybody will enjoy the Believe in Navy Football podcast. We're going to have one every week. Uh, find it again on all wherever you locate your podcast. We'll be there and uh, look forward to covering this 2021 Navy football season. Thank you to Chris Cervello, our producer, and uh, we will see you next week.